Welcome to the UK Ed podcast from UK Ed magazine and UK Ed Chat. I'm Martin, and in this episode, I'm in conversation with David Chalk about learning spaces. Before we get started, I thought I'd let you know a few ways that you can help out UK Ed Chat in a big way. The first is to tell other teachers about us, about our free magazine, our free podcast, and our free content on UKEdChat.com. And of course, none of that could happen without the kind support of our patrons on Patreon. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash UKEdChat. Now, on with the podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about learning spaces, the idea of the, the classroom and the spaces in and out of the classroom within your school and possibly other places that um, your pupils may learn in as well. So talking about maybe the home environment and also some of the environments where teachers do their work as well. So I'm joined by a, a guest who is a very regular um, guest at our weekly UK Air Chat sessions on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to ask him to introduce himself in a moment, but just to let you know that this is an interactive session. So if you're watching live, you should be able to see there's a chat bar at the side of the screen. So please do uh, keep your comments coming there. If you're watching on YouTube or on social media somewhere, then if you go, if you like to comment, and obviously you can reply or in the comments. And to get all the links we're talking about in this session and to find out about the uh, tweets which happened during the uh, UK EdChat session on Twitter, then uh, you should be able to go to the links which are in the description or in the post which accompanies this video. So, without any further ado, uh, David, would you like to introduce yourself to the Twitter yeah, community? Hi, I'm David Chalk. I've been teaching for about 13 years, give or take. Uh, I'm a science specialist, and you can find me on Twitter at teachchalky1. Okay, and again, if, um, uh, we'll show all of these links on the main link, which you should be able to get um, within the show notes uh, later on. So just to let you know, I'm Martin. You can find out what I'm up to at UK Ed, uh, at uh, ICT Magic on Twitter. Uh, so I'm a primary school teacher, um, but I'm also one of the people which makes UK Ed Chat happen, both the website, the magazine, and everything that happens on Twitter. So uh, we're talking about learning spaces. Um, I'm going to start by describing um, my classroom, which is probably not a particularly good example because I am a quite a messy teacher. I believe in messy learning and I think my classroom very much reflects that. So um, one of the questions we will come on to later is about desks and um, I think that my desk is very much part of that same philosophy, the fact that it's more of a shelf than a desk. Um, so um, my classroom is probably not the best uh, example of what people should do, or maybe it is, maybe people like that kind of approach. David, what do you think? What kind of uh, classroom do you have? It's, it's a long way from being today. Uh, because if you look at the science, mm. there's 
it does look very, very messy, but I quite like all the chaos. I've tried having tidy classrooms before. It doesn't stay tidy for very long, and I can never find anything. Plus, because uh, we work in secondary school, mm. we don't stay in our own labs for all that long. So there's a lot of movement about. So the chances mm. are, even if you keep it tidy, the person who comes in after you probably won't. Uh, as far as the front desk goes, I might as well not have one. I, I don't use it. It does just turn into a shelf. It's got various piles of marking on and just general detritus that tends to build up there. Um, in terms of the, the class layout, I, there's probably no two lessons where the desks stay in the same place. I like the fact that the mm. desk can go move around depending on what sort of activity we're doing. Uh, I'm a, I don't teach from the front of the classroom. I haven't for years. I'm a big believer in going and putting some desks together. Mm. Luckily, um, we've got desks that you can go and write on with with whiteboard markers and such forth. So I quite like pushing okay. some desks together in the middle, and we work physically on the desks, and you can do lots of modelling and things. And because it's in the middle, you can go and gather all the students around you, and they really get a lot out of that. Plus, if you're worried about behaviour or anything, all the students are that close to you that you don't really get any behaviour problems because you can pick up on it virtually okay. straight away. And it really promotes questioning and such forth. Mm. Okay, a couple of things to unpick there. So as a primary school teacher, I think most primary school teachers uh, have a particular base. But when you're in secondary, um, there's the phenomenon of the nomadic teacher where you share spaces. And obviously that brings lots of um, issues. So you don't necessarily have all of the equipment that you need in one place. Also, being a science teacher, that obviously would require a lot of extra equipment um, how do you manage that within the classroom space, especially in a shared space? All, all the equipment is all in the cupboards around the sides of the room. So around the side of the room, we've, we've got a phenomenal amount of cupboard space. So every lab will have the same set of equipment in. So you'll have a cupboard for your heating equipment, a cupboard for your glassware and things like that. Then anything else extra that you need, as long as you order it a week in advance, then the technicians will bring that out of the... Uh, out of the prep room and set it up for you. And because because we've got lots of side space, it's, it's really nice. So any big demos or anything can be set up at the sides um, because there's there's plenty of gas taps. So luckily, the school that I work in was rebuilt about six years ago. So everything's still very new and shiny. So mm -hmm. we've got loads of all of the gas taps work around the side of the room. In, in the previous school before it was knocked down you were lucky if half of them worked mm. there's plenty there's plenty of uh, of power sockets and all sorts so there's there's plenty of room for them to do virtually whatever you want around the side of the room so it, it, it works mm. really well because the desks have almost got hardened tops they can go and do a lot of practical work at the desks because if they spill anything, it's not really going to damage them because they all all wipe clean pretty easily. I remember from my own secondary school, um, uh, some of the uh, science desks were literally covered in lots of the experiments that have gone on for years before. And that was just part of the character of the classroom. Well, I hope it's part of the character of the classroom. Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, you, going back to the idea of teacher's desk, it was interesting to see on uh, the Twitter chat that people seem to be moving away from uh, having a desk and actually moving away from the desk as well. 
Um, so the idea of having a desk if people have them, most people were saying that they spend almost no time at the desk even if they had one. And if they um, did or didn't, they obviously spend time moving around the classroom, much as you said before. Um, so you said about some of the benefits about proximity. Are there any other benefits that you would say about having um, uh, the opportunity perhaps to move around the classroom more? Well, it, it means that you've, you've physically got more chance to go and interact with individual students. And it also, it, it gives the opportunity for students to interact more with each other. So, so this year, there's a big focus on oracy and trying to get them to talk to each other. And because you're not all focused on the front, it gives them that opportunity to go and talk to each other and discuss ideas and such forth before they then go and almost vocalise it to the rest of the uh, room. Uh, in terms of the front desk, if, if I had it my way, I would get rid of it. But unfortunately, the front desk in the science lab is about the only desk that's fixed there that can't be moved because of gas tabs and such forth. But I've seen in, in a lot of the other classrooms, the teacher's desk is kind of pushed to the side, which in a lot of ways is really nice. Um, I've always thought that it was a shame that we all have these these wonderful interactive whiteboards and they're always behind the teacher's desk where no students can ever get at them. So it is not really utilised how it should be mm. because it's physically stuck behind the desk, which I always think uh, is a shame. Yeah. Well, as a computer specialist who goes into lots of schools, the amount of schools that don't realise the fact that more than one child can use the whiteboard at the same time, because most modern whiteboards and computers actually had 10 different points you can touch at the same time, oh, yeah. uh, which allows you to manipulate things at the same time. But people just don't realise that. And basically, us using... I mean, not everybody by by long stretch, but many people are still using the whiteboard very much as a analog whiteboard rather than using it for the, the 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 powerful way that it can improve learning by actually allowing the children to be able to use it or the pupils to be able to use it. So it's really quite fascinating the fact you say that. And yes, they they obviously are a fixed resource, but they don't necessarily need to be uh, fixed in the way they're used they should be adaptive and obviously with the way technology is used today with the kind of mobile um, technology you have all around your classroom you can zap up a picture really easily to the whiteboard from a pupil's uh, tablet or phone or whatever they're using so it's it's interesting the fact that it doesn't have to be a static instrument even though it is actually stuck on the wall um what other ways do you think that technology um, um maybe hinders or actually improves the way the classrooms are set out and how uh, the classroom space is used? I, I think it, it depends on what sort of technology you're talking about. From my, well, the biggest problem that I have with a lot of technology is that 90% of the time, other than a wireboard, the IT tends not to work for one reason or another. And it, it's almost, it's all, it almost gets to the point where you can't plan a lesson and rely on the IT working because I'm not going to waste 40 minutes trying to get things things working. Um, in terms of having come, I've, I've seen, I've been in rooms where we've had computers around the side, and they, they work in some respects. When we um, when we used to do a lot more BTEC work than we do now, obviously for coursework-based subjects, it's really nice to have that resource there, just because then they can get on and do the coursework. However, if if you're talking about increasing group work and increasing oracy and this, that and the other, it can almost become a hindrance to that because students kind of 
individualise and just focus on what they're doing and trying to get them to go move away from the screens can can sometimes be really difficult. Um, in terms of um, other bits and bobs, I, I quite like the idea of using visualisers, so things where you can go and video what you're doing and then go and put that up on the screen as you're doing it. So one thing that we've used that a lot for is physically modelling how to answer exam questions, especially more complicated exam questions, and showing them where the marks and things are coming from, and then they can all see that up on the screen. Um, something else that works in terms of the IT as well is if you've got some sort of online resources or something that the students can access, as long as your school's happy for them to be using the mobiles, uh, that works really well. So we use a uh, online program called Show My Homework, where you don't just have to go and set them homework on it. Uh, you can go and send them out whatever resources you want that they can get up on the phones, and and then they've they've physically got that information in front of them that they can use. Um, as well as that, as um, a couple of years ago, we had some um, SEND students who had real short-term memory problems. So it was virtually, I um, set up some clampstands so I could record myself going and explaining what they were going to do or explaining the homework tasks or whatever. And then straight after I'd done that, I, I didn't bother editing it or anything, just whacked it straight onto, uh, onto YouTube. So they had access to that on their phones. So if they needed to go back and rewatch it five times, if they didn't quite get something or couldn't remember it, then they could, which works which works really well it's all for everyone but but i found that it, it really helped especially with that specific set of students yeah, it's interesting you talk about special needs because uh, in our live comments at the site here uh, rosie has commented well a couple of different things but one of the things that's really interesting she talked about uh moving the classroom around can actually um, cause anxiety and uh, particular issues for particular children who have particular um, uh, needs. So um, it, is, it is obviously something you need to consider for your particular set of students. And obviously knowing your students particularly well is obviously very important. And if there are no, students yeah. who need um, maybe to prepare for a particular change within the classroom because they have those particular requirements, then obviously that's something you need to factor into your lesson planning, something you need to factor into your management of the classroom. Um, so obviously for science, you have um, particular issues with uh, your furniture because lots of it is, as you say, has the gas taps and that kind of thing, so it is immovable. Um, but uh, one discussion on the uh, Twitter chat was, uh, which got a lot of interest and a lot of tweets was about the idea of having a particular uh, formation of desks within the classroom. Now, we were trying to be pro provocative when we wrote that question because uh, most teachers will probably say the fact that there's obviously no particular fixed way of doing um, your layout in the classroom. And that's what most people said. Um, but do you think there is um, an optimal one for your particular subject if you were able to move the, uh, the furniture within your classroom? Um, for me in the primary school classroom, I do move the desks quite often, um, depending on what we're doing. And obviously you said about your focus on oracy. Um, would you, if you could, like to move your desk in a particular way to make perhaps that a bit more easy in your subject? I think the, the way that I, I have my lab set up 
it, it's not quite in rose as such, but it, for the sake of argument, it is. But I mean, I always make sure that everyone's sat in, in pairs. So whatever task you do, you can start off, right, discussing with the person who's next to you. Then you can get one pair to almost turn around and talk to the pair behind them or, or something. Then it can be a bit of a tight squeeze when they're all gathered around just one desk. But that works as long as you're only using that in short spaces and they've not got loads of information and bits of paper or anything that they um, that they need to use. And then they can go and feed back to the entire class. And that, that helps build up their the language skills and the confidence with the oracy, which then in turn goes and feeds through to how they how they're writing things and and how they're able to answer exam questions. Um, the other thing that I've been doing this year as well, this takes a bit more setting up, but the bit, whenever I do a big modeling activity in the middle of the room, I'd, I'd like to build a big model and there's, there's plenty of photos here and there with them on. But you, I can almost go and separate the classroom into six blocks of two tables. So if I go and have the one table in the middle where I go and demo it, I've been going and building small small models on the other five tables that the students have then been able to go back to and with whiteboard pens using what they've done in the previous lesson or using information from that lesson, etc. They've gone and annotated their own models. And then as a class, we've gone around and we've watched each group go and verbally present that information which it, it works it works really well it takes a bit more prep but once it's once it's done then it is done you can use it forever mm, well that absolutely. that works uh, we've had another couple of comments come in so i'll just uh, uh, talk about those um so um we've had a comment about um how to arrange uh, pupils by their ability uh, so perhaps having different table groups, um, which perhaps work in different ways and have particular needs. So you can um, maybe deploy uh, particular um, um, particular um, what's the word I'm looking for? Particular support for those particular um, pupils who have um, those particular needs. And um, it's quite interesting that uh, lots of schools do decide to do. Um, table groupings by ability. So um, I don't know what the evidence by the research is about that, um, but it does seem to be a very popular uh, way of arranging classrooms. So to have um, pupils of a particular ability grouped together. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think this is this is where you've you've got that big divide between what happens at primary school and what happens at secondary school, because most of our classes are streamed then almost everyone within that set will have a similar ability. So mm. going and grouping them by ability isn't necessarily that important. I'd say from, from our point of view, the biggest thing is making sure that wherever you're sitting them or wherever, wherever you're grouping them is going to be somewhere that will help optimise their learning. So they're not going to get distracted by someone else. So if you've got, if you've got Bob and Fred... Well, you know that if they sit together, they will sit and talk about football for an hour instead of mm -hmm. whatever you're trying to teach them. Then 
don't sit them together. And that's probably a lot more important, um, especially as you go into secondary school. And there's other, I'd, I'd say the seating arrangements, from my point of view, is almost your first, your primary behaviour management strategy, because you can almost go and see people where you want, where it's it almost forced them to to not mess around or anything. And that works. That works really well. I think that's really important. So is that something that you actively do? You you place the uh, pupils in particular places within the classroom? Because I know that... Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. For myself, for myself, I certainly do that. That's one exercise I do every summer holiday is I, I get the class list and I... Um, because at primary school, you, you tend to know the children, obviously, unless they're new to the school. Um, so you can have an inkling of who's going to work well together and who has particular needs. Um, so... Obviously, that's quite an easy exercise to do. So in, in your classroom, you do the same. Oh, yeah, definitely. It, it helps. I've, I've been in the same school 13 years. So the chances are that I'll have come across most of them before anyway. Um, I tend to only teach from year nine upwards. But because I'm second in department, I'll have a lot to do with behaviour in the department. So I, I pretty much I know who all the characters are. So at the start of every year... I get them lined up around the side of the room and you kind of go and place them where you think they're going to behave behave the best. Um, just don't let on that you're doing that, though. Um, I always say, right, well, we're going to... I'm not being heightist, but we're going to sit the shorter people at the front, the taller people at the back, because then you won't be able to have issues with not being able to see the board, not that I really do a great deal off the board, but you won't you won't have those issues that, uh, that they can't see the board or anything. Um, that's especially important for where we are, because when the school was rebuilt, they kind of, um, there was a mistake on the, uh, on the drawings, so all of the labs are really long instead of being really wide, which is, is problematic at times. But that Probably has really forced me to not teach from the front of the room because the people at the back are virtually too far away to be able to see at times. OK, changing the topic completely. Um, another big aspect and one that got a lot of attention on the Twitter chat was about using the um, the outdoor environment or perhaps just the out, outside of the classroom environment, uh, but particularly the sort of forest schools and the outside of uh, in the grounds of the school. Um, how much of that do you have in your own subject and how much have you seen across your wider school of people using the outdoor environment outside the class or outside of the, the school completely? To, to be quite honest, we don't have a great deal of it. I'd quite like to have more. It's um, weather dependent. I try and get them outside of the classroom as much as possible. So, for instance, when we were doing speed calculations, I've got a little motorised BBA droid that we took in the corridor and we raised him up and down the corridor to go and work out speed or anything. Um, I've um, seen just today, actually, that there's a primary school, I've got it written down, it's somewhere in Lincolnshire, that's based their entire curriculum based around food. So they go and and it, it's all based around them growing food and the entire curriculum's hung on that. So the head teacher from that school was saying they had a dishes field at the side that 
they couldn't get permission to go and grow anything on. So he rang up a local farmer who came and ploughed the field for them anyway. And now they've got polytunnels and growing boxes and all sorts on it. And then they've gone and based their entire primary curriculum around around food and and growing food and eating food and things like that. Uh, what's it called? I think it's called Tasted. But that, like I say, oh, I only saw that today, mm. but it did look really, really interesting. Um, I'm not sure wow. how that would go and apply to a secondary school setting, but I think mm. if you've got the space, it's something that's, that's definitely worth exploring. On the similar theme, I visited a secondary school that was um, uh, just outside Birmingham, I think it was, who actually had an agricultural department within their school. And within their sort of um, quad, which was um, sort of uh, glassed off, um, so um, pupils couldn't get into there unless they were you know, meant to be in there. They actually had um, a couple of sheep and rams and that kind of thing in the middle there. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of that going on. Um, obviously, if you've got a field right next to you, what a fantastic opportunity that is. Mm. Um, but the, the, the school that I went to was actually featured within the UK EdChat magazine in about 2014, 15, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so if you'd like to find out more about that, it should be on the UK EdChat website somewhere. Last question, really. Um, it's about your own working environment. Yeah. So um, for me, I've got a family at home, so it's quite difficult sometimes to find the peace and quiet, which is um, maybe not required, but would be beneficial perhaps, perhaps to what I'm doing. So I do actually rely quite a bit on things like instrumental music and things to sort of block out uh, everything that needs to be blocked out. But otherwise, I feel that I can pretty much work in most places. Um, I don't think it's a big problem for me to be able to work uh, standing up, sitting down, um, wherever it may be within the house or even in the school. So what about you? What kind of working environment um, do you have where you find it more beneficial and um, better for you working in? Same as at school, in chaos. To be quite honest, I sit in the living room. I've got my laptop there. Because there's there's only the two of us, we've got two big settees. So on my settee, there's me, there's a pile of paperwork, there's some more stuff sat on the arm. Um, I've got a little table in front that I can put my laptop on if I need to sit and do some marking. So, yeah, just in chaos, somewhere near the kettle, so I can have my constant supply of tea. And I, I quite like having something something on in okay, the background. Fantastic. So, David, can you just remind everybody uh, where they can find you uh, on Twitter? Um, just in case they want to follow up anything you've said or if they're interested in talking to you about anything else. Yeah, I'm uh, at TeacherChalky1 on Twitter. Uh, if you want to find out more about what I'm doing, then you can find me at ICT Magic. Uh, thank you very, mu very much for watching. Um, so just remind you that everything that we've been discussing will be up on the UK EdChat website. Uh, if you want to find out more we're up to, then uh, go visit us there. If you want to help us out, then you can tell more people about UK EdChat and about the webinar. If you want to really help us out, you become one of our uh, patrons on Patreon. That'll help us out in a big way, keep us doing what we're doing and trying to keep everything that we're doing open and free. But otherwise, um, that's it. And we will see you again next week. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you. A huge thanks to David Chalk for sharing his views on learning spaces and getting involved with the UK EdChat After Hours webinar.
If you would like to be a guest on the webinar, get in touch. You can email podcast at ukedchat.com or contact me on Twitter via the UK EdChat or ICT Magic accounts. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.